Hi, everyone, and welcome to the the Stuttering Foundation podcast. This is Sarah McIntyre, your host, recording from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It is March, and you all will be hearing this episode in in about two short weeks. And I'm excited to welcome today's guest, both of whom you have have had the privilege uh, 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 of listening to and learning from before, Dr. Ellen Kelly. Ha, ha. Hi, Ellen. Hi, Sarah. Good to see you. A- and Dr. Kara Singer. Hey, 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 Kara. Hi, Sarah. And, and hi, everyone listening. For today's episode, we are going to talk about a scale that Ellen and Kara and, and colleagues have been working on. It's called the Vanderbilt Responses to Your Child's Speech Rating Scale, VRYCS for short. There is an article on JSL in JSLHR, which I'll link in the description for those of you interested in reading maybe prior to listening or after so that it's accessible. But I'm going to read the, the bios for, for, for Ellen and Kara, and then we'll, we'll get start, started in exploring a little bit more about what this scale is, why it was developed, and how it can be of clinical use to you all. Dr. Ellen Kelly is VP for Professional Development at the Stuttering Foundation. She is a board-certified speech-language pathologist specializing in stuttering and other fluency challenges. One of her main roles with the Stuttering Foundation is providing consultation to people who stutter, family members, SLPs, teachers, physicians, and anyone else around the world who seeks assistance. Prior to joining the Stuttering Foundation. She spent 35 years in academia, teaching in the areas of stuttering and counseling, providing clinical services, engaging in research, and presenting clinical and research findings nationally and internationally. And Dr. Kara Singer is an assistant professor in the Department of Communication Sciences and Disorders at Grand Valley State University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. She conducts research related to evaluation and treatment practices for children who stutter and attitudes towards stuttering. Additionally, she teaches and supervises speech-language pathology undergraduate and graduate students in clinical and research settings. Welcome, Karen, Ellen. Thank you both so much for being with us today. Thank you, Sarah. Well, could we start at a, at a kind of 101 level? Would, would you mind introducing this scale to to listeners and also maybe speak to your motivation and and what 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 led you to d- 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 developing the 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 scale yeah that's a great question Sarah so quite a few years ago I think more than a decade originally when I was at Vanderbilt we had been doing a lot of work with families of young children who stutter and using some of the instruments out there, like the Palin rating scales. And knowing the literature and all the things that we advise parents to do or not do and the questions that they ask and how we help them to address their own communication in communication with their children, we thought, wouldn't it be interesting to have an instrument where the parents actually think about and rate the extent to which they do or don't use some of those behaviors when interacting with children that had been part of the literature and recommendations since the 1950s and then had developed over time. So we went through a series of steps developing the scale and coming up with lots of different items based on that literature and suggestions and treatment approaches and made originally a much longer scale and then 
put it through the validation process by administering it to lots and lots of parents, both fathers and mothers of preschool age children who stutter. And before, usually during an evaluation or before an evaluation is when we would gather this information and then just continue to gather it and gather it and gather it. And then Robin Jones, who's also an author on the manuscript, who was also Kara's doctoral mentor, he also began to use it in the laboratory. So when they were evaluating young children who stutter, they also administered what became the V-Rikes, the Vanderbilt Responses to Your Child's Speech Rating Scale, which is a huge mouthful, of course. So V-Rikes makes it at least a little bit easier. And we were really excited as we looked at the data that came in. And a gentleman named uh, Zebedee, um, Zeb White, who was a master's student at Vanderbilt, had a lot of interest in this project. And so he initially took it on and started gathering and analyzing the data. And then he left Vanderbilt to pursue other things. And we continued to work on it. And Kara joined us in that venture as well. And it was especially brilliant and helpful at doing the statistical analyses, which are quite complex. And in the review process, one of the reviewers, which um, was very educational for us, had a different opinion about how to do those analyses. So Kara actually did it both ways and then compared the two. And we were thrilled to be able to say that we think what we originally did was better in terms of clinical application and, and so went with that. So the final scale is 18 items. It is appended to the article in JSLHR, and we want people to use it freely in clinical settings, research settings, and of course, we would we would love the feedback on that as well. And Kara's first author on the publication, and so her contact information is there if people want to reach out to ask questions or to talk about their own uses of it as well. Now. You, you 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 touched on on this, Ellen. But I'm wondering if you both could speak to maybe why you 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 developed this scale. Where where did you see the need? Well, I think from a clinical perspective, we really wanted to document from the parents' perspectives before they even were given any information or advice or introduced to any sort of formal or informal kind of treatment, we wanted to know, well, from your perspective, these things that parents are commonly asked to do, like to slow their speech rate or to pause or to ask fewer questions And then also some things not to do, like interrupting or talking for or supplying words or those kinds of things. So we included both those things that are suggested to do, as well as those things that are suggested not to do. And we never really asked the parents, except informally, to what extent do you do or not do these things? And so the scale permitted us an opportunity of looking at their own perspective and then based on their responses to talk about those things more and maybe guide then suggestions to parents that fit and what they were noticing they were doing or not doing, what they had questions about, because usually those go together because they might have been advised to do something and they were doing it, or they might have thought quite naturally that their child couldn't think of the word, so they needed to put it in there for him or her. And so it was just really to have an instrument to tailor those 
approaches and those suggestions and those common things that we look at in parent-child interactions with young kids who stutter and in communication in general. Could we speak a bit about the different factors and components in the scale a bit more in depth? Of course. So as um, Ellen mentioned, the scale has 18 items. And based on the study and the principal component analysis that we conducted, it was identified that, that those 18 items fall into five different factors. So those five factors are requesting change, speaking for the child, supporting communication, slowing and simplifying, and responding emotionally. And for those factors, each one has um, at least three different items that fall within it. For all of the items, caregivers use a rating scale from zero to four that indicates how often they perceive they, um, they respond in that way. And four is, indicated, is indicative of being more supportive based on the literature, the research, and, and different recommendations for parents. And so just to give a few examples of what's in each of those factors that were determined from the factor analysis. So, and the numbers of the factors just really relate to the ones that had the most loading or were most strongly supported, if you will, from the analysis. So those items that fell under requesting change pertain to those things that a parent might ask a child to do or not to do. So in that particular factor, you've got ask your child to think about what he's going to say, ask your child to take a deep breath before speaking, to slow down while talking, or to tell your child to relax. And then the second factor, speaking for the child, had things like fill in words for your child, talk for your child, so similar items there, say your child's words for him or her, and finish what your child was saying. And then supporting communication, and this is then on the more positive side, let your child say what he wants to say and um, let them lead the conversation, wait for your child to finish talking before you spoke, and praise what your child said. And then the fourth factor, slowing and simplifying, included slow down your speech, use simpler language when your child was talking, ask simpler questions, and pause before responding. And the last one, responding emotionally, included becoming tense when your child was speaking, remaining relaxed, so the opposite there, and worrying about your child's talking. And the way that these factors um, were determined was really statistically. And so once we saw how they were kind of bunching up into groups, then we looked at those items that I just um, gave examples of and said, how do those hang together? What might this factor be about? And that's where the factor names came from. It also then made us think about, okay, if you are speaking for your child a lot, then let's talk about that, the pros and cons of that, what's happening for a child who stutters when they're not getting the word out, et cetera, and then what might be helpful to do about that in the future. Great. Well, can can we talk a little bit about its clinical uses so far that you all have have observed, or may maybe any anything that that might come to mind? 
Sure. So I think one pleasantly surprising thing that I've been able to witness as I've started using it with with families is, you know, after completing the V-Rikes, parents have been, you know, proud about the way that they um, respond to their child. I, I think it helps them point out all of these things that they already are doing to support their child's communication that they just maybe hadn't thought about before. You know, oftentimes they're so anxious thinking about what I should be doing, what can I do differently? And like I said, they, they've been able to, to be proud about, oh, I, 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 I do these things and, and I make sure to not do these other things. And that can tailor so beautifully to therapy and the Palin parent-child interaction therapy approach comes to mind specifically because in that approach, one of the things you do right at the beginning after recording a conversational interaction between each parent or caregiver and the child is to have them watch it with you and try to identify those things that they are already doing well to contribute to just really healthy, supportive communication between parent and child and things that are really universally helpful as children are developing and parents and children are developing relationships. And so as Kara is using that, she's finding that parents are being able to note with the V-Rikes what they're already doing, mm-hmm. which then tailor nicely to targeting those things in treatment because you've got another source of information. And then obviously being able to then track it over time as it changes. So give them the scale again after if you're doing Palin PCI, the six-week juncture the 12-week juncture, and then any long-term follow-up to see what they're continuing to do, what might have changed, what they might not be doing at all because it's just not something that's necessary in their interactions. And I think we can learn so much more about that process and really hopefully individualize it for families as well. Mm -hmm. And just to add to that, as we discuss in the paper, you know, it was our hope that clinicians would use this survey to also have discussions with the caregivers because what works well for one child may not work as well for another. And so really talking through some of these different responses and getting the parent's perspective about what might be helpful to, to do, to change, to do more of in the future. That's a really great point, Kara, because sometimes we can give parents handouts or lists of tips or things to do or not to do and things like that, it can be pretty overwhelming. And as clinicians, we always want to tailor that. And this provides yet another opportunity to tailor that and be specific that comes right from the parent or caregiver, him or herself. As I was reading, oh, oh, over some of the items, I thought how nice this would be for for a clinician who might not feel super confident about their their abilities and in facilitating discussions with parents in in a in a strength focused way or not sure how to bring up some of these these conversation topics and just using some some of the items and, and talking about them and say wow so saying your child's words for 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 him or or her i i wonder what you think about that so even using some of these factors and just adding, I I wonder what what, what your thoughts are, or do 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 you think that that might be helpful or supportive or or not, and and how might this fit in into your family? 
I I shouldn't have chose chosen that that exact item. Obviously, maybe something that is more helpful and like letting your child take the lead in conversation for that example there. But I really liked how how you you worded it and simplified each of the these these factors. Sarah, one of the things that I know that you do so beautifully in clinical interactions with people of all ages, including parents of young children, is really to find out their perspective and to draw that out and to learn more, ask more, get more information before assuming. I think that goes along with that. Well, there may be tips or strategies or things that help in general, but how much might they be useful to this particular caregiver, to this particular family? And then also when we think about buying into therapy, understanding it, feeling like you're a part of it, that it's a team effort, not a prescriptive, I'll do what they tell me to do, but I'm not quite sure why that's going on. This really brings the parent in, or is one tool to bring the parent in a little bit more to say, what are you noticing and what's that like? And when does that happen? And why do you think that's helpful or not helpful? And then that just draws it out and really expands that partnership and that connection that facilitates therapy. I I know this is mentioned in the article, but and, and we talked about the Palin Parent-Child Interaction Therapy Program. They, they, they have a, a scale for parents as well, the Palin Parent Rating Scale. I, I wonder if you, if if you you could speak to maybe the similarities or the differences there between the v Reichs and 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 the Palin parent rating scale. That's a really good question, and there are similarities and differences between the scales, and therefore using both of them in conjunction could provide you and. The clinicians working with parents, working with families of young children who stutter with additional information to get a really good picture of what the family communication dynamics might be like and where parents have uncertainty or things like that. So for the Palin PRS, there are three major sections to it. So it's from the parent's perspective. So that obviously the two instruments have in common. They look at the impact of stammering, as the English say, on the child from the parent's perspective. So another really beautiful added piece of information when you are working with, with families of young kids. And then it also asks the parents from their perspective about the severity of stammering and then the impact of that on themselves. And we know that parents are very worried, often very uncertain, not sure what to do, what not to do. They might have been told to just wait it out. It's just normal, but not told what to do in the meantime if it does naturally disappear or recover over time or not. And then it has a third section where the questions focus on what they know about stammering and their own confidence in managing it. And so there's a bit of overlap with with the VRIKES, but some different areas that are so important to highlight and learn about and what's nice is that together it gives you that bigger perspective on from the caregiver or from the parent. And then in conjunction with, as you were pointing out, Sarah, to explore more about 
the different items or the different things that you might do to, to help or not help and why they might be important and what their questions are about them. Mm-hmm. And, and to just briefly add to that, you know, I consistently have caregivers complete both the V-Rikes and the Palin Parent Reading Scale. Like, as we've mentioned, they complement each other really well. With the, v- the V-Rikes, we get an idea of how the parent is responding but with the Palin PRS, we get to we also see how the parents perceive the impact of the stuttering on the child. And their responses are likely to differ based on, you know, how anxious they find their child. They might respond differently, or if the child's more confident or generally more happy, we, we might see parents responding differently in relation to the perceived impact. Love that, Kara, and, and how beautifully you think about both clinically as well as research-wise something to look at to see what is the relationship between how the parent perceives impact and their own reactions to it and how that plays out in, in therapy over time. I love that. I want to talk about future directions. Do you, do, do you all have, 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 have anything underway or plans or where, where do you see that this going in, in in the future? Yeah, so um, I'm currently conducting a study where caregivers are filling out the V-RIKES as well as the Palin PRS and, and several other surveys and assessments to kind of document change over time. So caregivers complete this at the at the initial visit three months later and, and six months later. So really interested in seeing kind of what changes we see over time in individual families, as well as these relations that we talked about um, between how the parent perceives their child and the impact that stuttering seems to have on the child, as well as their their responses. I'm also really interested in how parents might differentially respond if the child has a speech sound disorder as well. So, so that is a primary focus. Yeah, for me in my present position, I'm more likely to use it to um, give to a clinician that might want to use it in their own practice when they're working with with young children who stutter to help them uh, along the way. Uh, Dr. Katerina Naturo at Oklahoma University Medical Center is also using the V-Rikes in some research that she's doing with, with young kids who stutter. So I'm really excited with Kara's work and Katerina's as well. And other people welcome, of course, to see how this can be helpful to obviously children who stutter and their families, but also to our understanding of it and how best to help. And, and I know you both mentioned this before, but in, in terms of where listeners can access the, the, the V-Rikes, they can access it from the article, but is, is there anywhere they can download or what's, what's your recommendations for, for the best way to access? If um, a listener doesn't have access to the article through ASHA, they can feel free to email me and I can send it right over. Great. I'll, I'll add your contact information, Kara, to the description. And that way, if anyone is listening and doesn't have access, that's a great way to to go about it. But if you do, again, if you scroll down to to the end of the article, you'll 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 be able to to snag it off off of the end, and you have have their permission to to use it. And I'm sure that you all would be interested in any feedback if listeners are using the scale. Yes, please. Okay. Well, thank you both. I think this was a really efficient and thorough overview of what what I I hope is something that 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 clinicians will 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 start to incorporate into their practice with young people who stutter and their families to get a fu- fuller 
picture, as well as to start the conversations that are necessary to to start a positive trajectory and in helping them to feel confident, helping them to kind of sift through what's helpful and, and maybe not so helpful, and to to feel feel empowered by maybe the things that they're already doing that that contributes in in a positive way to their their children's communication growth. And if anyone has any questions as they're implementing it after they've given it or before or at any point in the therapy process, please feel free to reach out to me at Ask Stuttering Foundation at stutteringhelp.org. And I'd be glad to speak with you about it further and, and help in any way I can. Excellent. I'll put all of those in the description so that that's easy for reference. And I really appreciate you all and your willingness to help. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Kara. Thank you both. And listeners will be with you again next month. Feel free to submit any questions, suggestions, comments to my email. That's also in the description. And looking forward to speaking with you, you, you all again soon. Bye.